Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone, welcome and thanks for listening today. Today I have my very good friend and colleague with me, Moira Cormack, who is one of the most creative people that I know. And I've been wanting to do a podcast around creativity for quite some time. And I just kind of went with it and thought, when I know and when I know who I want to do it with, it'll just work itself out. So here we are. Welcome, Moira. Thank you so much for inviting me, Kelly. (laughs) Creativity has always been a really big part of my life. And I've been through periods of life where I am in full steam for months, years at a time. And then it might ebb and flow or I might go off and do something else for a while. And I guess what, what I was curious about was, is everyone creative? Often people say to me because I paint and I'm a bit out there in my painting, God, you've got a completely wicked imagination. Like how do you come up with what you come up with? Well, Moira is a writer and she writes, I think, in a very creative, very detailed imaginative way. And I know Moira is very detailed in how her imagination works as well. So it's just something that I've wanted to explore. And like how is it related to spirituality, sexuality? How does it relate to how we show up in relationships. All these questions are in my mind all the time. Moira, before we get into it, tell us a little bit about you. And Moira's actually a sexuality, love and relationship coach as well. But she's also, she writes and she writes, she's a published author. So tell us about you and your journey and your creativity and how you got to be where you are now. Well, I think I've always been creative. I remember my mother in despair when I was a child and I had to go out in clothes she did not see as appropriate or socially acceptable at all. And I would be going out trailing long clothes um, around and feather boas and whatever. Um, And it's just always, always been part of me but it circles, so it circles round to different things. Mm. And there've been times when I've traveled um, and times when I've been a mother and I found being a mother fabulously creative. There was so much scope for creativity having children, especially because I had three under three. Mm. So I was more or less <laughs> running a nursery. We'll just quickly glide over the fact that I had three under three, which is, Um, a a creative endeavor (laughs) all to itself Um, and and when I first had my twins we moved out to Bombay Um, so we immigrated and lived in Bombay and I was stuck in an apartment and I couldn't get I couldn't get out because I had to walk down two flights of stairs Um, so I had to do six trips you know one with the buggy one with one baby and one with another baby Um, And I used to get the children to perform. 
so that they would be geese or ducks or animals running around the garden. They would stretch out big strips of lining paper for them to dance with painted feet on. And I let them paint on the walls, murals on the walls. And, and I let them be creative with their bodies. You know, they could climb trees, they could make fires, they could wade up the river. Um, and, and, you know, creativity, you know, is, is everything. Um, mm. And for me, it's also massively healing. So mm. at points in my life, when I have needed to sort of almost describe it as exit the world and everything that is so close to me, so sore, like when I was getting divorced, I sat down and I started to write a novel. And I became totally absorbed in my novel. And I remember it took over my life completely. It blocked out everything else that was going on. And I remember being at the kitchen sink, mashing the potatoes one evening, when I suddenly thought, oh, that's how that sentence has got to be. And I ran back to the computer <laughs> and I'm writing that sentence. And, 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 and I think it was at that time I, I introduced my children to breatharianism, which is when I would set the table and call them for a food and say, just take a lovely gulp of fresh air, children. <gasps> because, <laughs> because I haven't cooked. <laughs> oh, I love it. So creativity can be really, really, really playful. <laughs> but but the and it, it is also hugely healing. Mm. Hugely, hugely healing. Because we become very deeply absorbed in it. Mm. When you're doing something like a project, I mean I'm an artist as well, so I do collages and art and things like that. And and when I'm absorbed in a project, it takes over my being. It's the mm. deepest form of meditation I know. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I don't need to sit and meditate. I'm better with a jigsaw puzzle or a project where, you know, maybe I'm cutting things out or I'm free writing or I'm doing something, especially mixing it up. Because when you mix it up, one thing feeds another. Mm. And so I've used it as part of my my life to keep me steady uh, mm. all the time. And I, I exist with a deep living imagination. And so that's, that's how I've used it. I found it stepping back into it after the menopause or towards the end of the menopause and my mm. divorce as well. Mm. I, it opened up for me instead of being for my children, it returned to being for me yeah and there that was a, a lot big, of sense. yeah there was a big difference then because for years it had been for them you know I would hold amazing Halloween parties um and you know at all the children in the school would want to come to our Halloween party because I poured so much creativity in it and then after the menopause or round about the menopause as my hormones started leaving it started to come back and be for mm. me. And with it came a doorway into a much more spiritual way of life. I mean, 
I don't think I was, to be honest, even aware that I was having a spiritual life. It was more a reflection from other people that made me realize that was part and parcel of what was happening. But I think to come through really deep pain, really, really deep pain, does take all your creativity, you know, because it's a creative solution. Yes. You need something to find your way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that resonates with me a yeah. lot. But yeah. it's a way, I mean, as you're going through that pain, it's a way of your psyche processing it is my is my thought around it. You know, whatever emotion that you're or emotions that you're dealing with, it can be very good to pour that energy into the creativity as a way of working it through your body. Yes. And letting your body be with it rather yes. than resist it. And writing is an excellent way for processing people. Mm. The thing is that the people in your life never see themselves the way they appear as characters in the book. <laughs> I, I have some really wonderful women who were terrifying when I was young. And... Um, they would never read the story that I'd written and think, oh, that's me. That, me. <laughs> that, that, that dreadful witch in there is me. Um, and and it, it, it also gave me a chance to feel expansive and love those witches and those women for the gifts that they had given me um, yeah. in terms of being able to fill out these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's another perspective on them, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's another perspective on them. And in a way, you can remake your stories. You know, mm. we, can, we can change we the pattern. We so can. Stories. Yeah. Um, I love that you say that. I was just writing an Instagram post about that yesterday, about our capacity to rewrite our stories. Yes. And especially when we bring them into the body, we mm. can rewrite them. And so coaching, I don't know, I came through the divorce and I wrote my novel and it got published straight away. I was very, very lucky. It just so happened that that's how it happened, The Witch of Land and Sea. And, mm. um, and then I, I started writing another one. A couple of people said, does it, does it have to be so bleak? <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah every everybody was was just about buried alive um, which I think I must have felt in the marriage yeah um, um, but you know you can you can process all those times through the creativity mm. and how do you infuse it in your coaching work well, how did it, what how did you get into the coaching? Like what was the segue or the pull? The same way that I did the writing. So I I I started <laughs> I started writing and then I needed time and I lived on the edge of this wild land and there was a tree that I really, really felt a great affinity to. So I had a darling dog 
and the dog and I would walk out and I would go and lie under this tree mm. and I taught myself EFT tapping and ah, meditation okay. yeah and I would lie and I would just flick around and find any meditation and I found this one and it said breathe in blue light I'm breathing in the blue light and I'm just following the instruction. Mm. And I found my body having what I can only really describe as a sort of orgasmic experience. The mm. oceanic orgasmic experience just with my breath. And so the creativity, the spirituality, the, the connecting to the earth, I would be lying on the ground under the tree and it just lit me up. Mm. So it seemed a very, very natural progression to me to move my healing for myself. To begin with, it was just for me um, into that. And I found that the three things fed each other. Yeah. Tell us about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, um, there was one November, um, and I had been going to move out of our family house and I had packed up and I had buyers and the buyers, um, <laughs> the buyers, the week before we were to move, the buyers called me up and said, I'm very sorry, we don't actually have the money to buy your house. Ooh. <laughs> and I had been waiting three months for them to move in and packing up my house. Um, it was a very big house and I had never decluttered anything because if anybody is listening and they are distressed or unhappy, they will know that you cannot declutter anything if you are depressed because mm. you cannot make decisions mm. and you need hundreds of decisions to declutter. Yes, you do. You do. And so they pulled out of the the sale and again I thought what am I going to do mm. and it was October and this thing popped up on the 31st of October and it said it was National November Writing Month and it said write a 60,000 word novel in a month and I went to bed and I read it and I woke up in the morning and I started writing <laughs> and I had no idea of the story I had no idea who was going to be in the story or what happened. Um, and, and, and I've not really ever been as much of a strategic planner. But this story must have been in me because out it came. Mm. And I wrote two and a half thousand words a day. And I wrote just over 60,000 words. And... Um, I was only able to manage to do it because I mixed up. So I would write for an hour, I would dance. I would write for an hour, I would do a jade egg practice. Mm. I would write for an hour, I would walk the dog. I would write for an hour, I would do some breath work. So I used my body to pull and draw the story through me. Mm. And so I wouldn't know where it was going but when the dog and I walked or when I was dancing, the story would unfold in my mind. Mm -hmm. And when I went back, I would know where I was going. 
And that then, was, so yeah. then how did you get into the coaching though? What was the, the impetus that you went, oh, I want to do this? Well, by then I had already done a JDEG course. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of regular breath and sexuality work because it um, soothed my nervous system yes. so brilliantly. Yeah. And um, I had made up my mind that, I was getting out of this situation. I mean, I had four children. I was on my own with four children and a lot of hatred coming at me. Mm. Um, the acrimonious, uh, vicious end of a divorce. And I had made up my mind that I, I wasn't going to survive, just survive this, that I was going to thrive. Mm. And that I didn't want to be in a place where I was just talking about this. And even when it came to my book launch in um, 2016, I knew that when I stood up to launch my book, most of the people in the room would have no idea of what I had been through. Mm. Only the people who had been with me would understand the marriage and uh, my point of the marriage, not mm. his, I'm not blaming him, but my experience of the marriage. Mm. I want to be very clear about that because it's all our experience, isn't it? It's all deep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and so I had started incorporating a lot of the Tantra and the JDEG and the sexuality work into my being. Yes. And the first year I saw the course come up, I couldn't do it. And the second year, I saw it come up and I thought, no, no, no. And it was just when I finished this, this November novel. Yeah. And that, I completed that, I saw it, I sat down and I just found myself applying. And I thought, how did that happen? <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> let, that, let that happen. I, I didn't give it a moment's thought, but I think it had been brewing in me for over a year and mm. suddenly there was space in my life to say yes mm. yeah and you and I are both into the tantra so that's the it's amazing the the breath work the sexuality work the jaded practice the body work like just the power of it and what it can do mm -hmm. but it definitely fuels my creativity as well Yes, there's a such a simple exercise where you lie on your back with your feet on the floor and you breathe in and you butterfly your legs. Yes, open. yeah. And you breathe out and you bring them together. And, and, and nobody would go, what, that's sexual work? And you're going, yeah, it is, because it's your life force energy that is being lit up. And it's your nervous and endocrine systems that are being soothed. Mm. And we cannot be creative from a place of fear. Yeah. Fear squashes our creativity. So when you use your sexuality to breathe that energy through your body to soothe the nervous and endocrine systems, you give space for your creativity to grow. And that's absolutely key because when we're frightened, especially in survival fear, 
and survival fear goes really, really deep. It's very hard even to find a creative solution. Yeah, it's, it really simple. is. Yeah. There's just so much contraction in your body. Yes. And to be creative, you need expansion because you need that energy to flow through you, don't you? Yes. Yes. And so you, you, when you bring your nervous system down, you allow space for that to grow. I mean, I am, I am so creative. <laughs> there, there doesn't seem to be an end to it. And mm. in fact, I believe we all are because we wake up every morning and we create a day. We, yes. we, we make a day. And so, you know, other people might not be writing novels or creating collages or writing books of poetry because I've got those publishers they might just be pottering in their garden and they might yeah. go oh I'm not creative but you go into the kitchen and there's either a guddle a great big mess because that's that's their space and that's how they see it or they've made it pretty with flowers on the table and yeah they've made a nice home yeah you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be as sort of bonkers as me, which is, you know, painting trees behind the bed and, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, in, a, in my family, we're all quite creative, but in different ways. And, like, I'm a painter and I draw. And my eldest son, he has the most phenomenal spatial intelligence, right? He wants to be an engineer. Like, he literally sits upstairs for hours making the most complex lego constructions right just goes and goes at it for hours you can lose him up there for three or four hours my husband he's meditating as well because that's he's quite my husband's incredibly musical and so he'll just sit there and he'll be he'll be working for a few hours and then all of a sudden the guitar starts going or the piano or and my eldest son is also quite musical. And then my youngest son's really interesting. And I know he's got a lot of creativity in him. But at the moment, it comes out in how he dresses. Lovely. Yeah. But I can see it there. And I'm like, you just, you're going to find your, what you're going to put into practice somehow. I think it might be, I think there's a bit of a dramatic, I think there's a bit of an actor in there, actually. But anyway. <laughs> It'll come out, so it's just finding its way out of him. He's so funny. But the thing is, one of the important things for me is it doesn't have to be for anything. No. He he can use his body as a canvas for his clothes without ever becoming a designer or anything else at all. He can just be himself. And Mm. that's actually enough. And... In the world we live in, to be yourself creatively is a big challenge. Yeah. You know, because we all conform. Like I have twins, and when you have twins, they're always comparing as you raise them. They're mm. always comparing. And so one of them would use her art to express her emotions. So when she was cross with her sister, she would draw a picture of her sister and get the pen and scribble all <laughs> over this image of her sister. And, and all her drawings were really, 
really interesting. But she stopped drawing because she didn't draw like the average drawing at school was. And however much I said to her, you're better than all of those average faces that people are drawing in order to conform. You are quirky, you are original. She was too upset that she was quirky and she was original. Um, So that brings me to my next question really. So what happens, I mean, we all have a certain amount of creativity and you see it in little kids, but something happens in the schooling system that seems to bash it out of them a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> the schooling system. Uh, let's, how shall I describe it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's say you take some really, really wonderful ingredients to make the most magnificent sausages in the world and you put all of those into the schooling system. You squeeze it through the schooling system and at the end you have uniform boring sausages without (laughs) a single bit of nutrition (laughs) left in them. (laughs) It is a shredding machine. Yeah. You have to you have to do a lot of undoing. Mm. As a mother, I did a lot of undoing. So I told my children that there was a lot of knowledge for them at school. I told them that it was social conditioning for them to be spat out like little square pegs that were going to sit at little square desks in little square offices. But they did not have to buy into that. So they would do things like one of them wrote a story once with a a wolverine in it and the teacher came, she said, your worst nightmare. And the child wrote this amazing story with a wolverine in it. And the comment from the teacher came back, which was like a slap in the face with a cold fish. There's no such thing as a wolverine. Well, number one, there are. Mm. (laughs) Number two, it was a nightmare and you can have anything you like in nightmares. Well, it's a creative story, so you can have anything in a creative story. (laughs) Anything in a creative story. So we fought her corner for her. So when those kind of things happened, I would fight the corner for them um, and, and say, this is what's happened. This, they're not seeing what is. They're yeah. not seeing what you've done because they're ticking boxes. So, you know, my 15-year-old at the moment is sitting her English, um, going to be sitting her English exams, the first set of them. And they've made English into a set of formulas. Mm. So it's very formulaic. And inside that formula, there's almost no scope for creativity. And it's really, really tough. She and I spend a lot of time carefully undoing what's done. One of the problems I've discovered, because I did take, my my book was a children's novel. So I went around a, a lot of schools 
mm. as well, mm. um, reading the book. And I would say to the teachers, do you teach creative writing? And they would go, oh, yes, we do. And I would say, oh, how? And they said, well, first of all, you've got to plan out carefully what you're going to do. And, and then you've got to fill it pretty much like how she's getting stuck now. Mm. And I would say to the children, that's not how you write. That is not how creativity happens. Creativity is the flow. And that's just what's there. That's just allowing it to flow. No worries about punctuation. No worries about grammar. No worries about the beginning or the middle of the end. Just the excitement of the story or the picture or whatever it is. Just being in that space with whatever is bubbling out of you. Mm. Then you... You look, at, you look at it and you go, oh my goodness me, look what I've just done. I'm so brilliant. I've made that. <laughs> and you show it to people and they go, that's fantastic. <laughs> to the children. And then you edit it. Yeah. Completely different parts of the brain. And then you say, let's make it better. And then you bring in that editing side. So then you can jiggle it around and give it the beginning, the middle, and the end. And if you have to have a plan, you can reverse plan. But it takes a lot of faith and trust in yourself as a parent and a lack, <laughs> not a lack, but not necessarily a blind belief that the teacher knows better. Mm. Yeah, and this yeah, the system. Yeah. Yeah. And they're kind of conditioned that the system is right, aren't they? That's sort of an implicit understanding that sits within the cultural overlay. Yeah. The system, of course, is always a little bit behind because we are not actually creative beings. We are oh. reactive beings. Okay. So talk about that so people understand what you mean by that well the school system is a reaction to people appearing in offices so once office jobs started to happen they started to create a school system that would suit office jobs mm. and they still are mm -hmm. although we can see in front of our eyes working from home becoming more the norm Mm. And I don't know that we will ever go back to offices. So in that sense, the children that are coming through school are out of sync. And the schools are out of sync with the reality that is emerging. Mm. So they did serve for a period of time, but then they became too controlled. And now they're no longer needed. They're out of sync. But mostly, we are reactive in everything that we do. Mm. So our stomach sends messages to our brain. Our solar plexus sends messages to our brain. Our bodies send messages to our brain. Yes. And we then create the story because we, we can be asked for a reason, I feel sad. 
a message has gone up to the brain, I feel sad. Why do you feel sad? Somebody will say, and you'll go, oh, um, oh, I, I feel sad because they did that. Mm. And then we now live in a world where we have to have a reason yeah. and we have to fix it. But actually it is just a reaction to chemistry in the body and sensations in the body from when we were young. Yes. And, and I, so, sorry, yeah. I was just going to make a point, you can, but I was, um, something I was reading right just this week, the number of reactions that go body to head is 10 times what comes head to body. Yes. So everything comes from the body. Everything comes from the body. Everything comes from the body and it's processed through the mind. And we know that because we have expressions that say it. Mm. I felt punched. By the words yes. it hits me in the chest yes you know um and sometimes somebody does or says something and we step back we, we, flinch. Step, we flinch and we step back and only <laughs> after our bodies have flinched do we do we interpret it in the mind mm. people say i didn't know what to say and they couldn't because their bodies were stunned mm. Mm. and it can a reaction can take a long time to come up to the head a long time yeah it really can it can take a long yeah a really long time it can take days sometimes for it to process i think it can take months and years for some it, things to process. it can yeah it can take that long or it can just yeah for you to work it through mm-hmm reveals itself in tiny nuggets now and again it reveals itself as it's it like little out. bubbles it's like i think little bubbles like air bubbles coming up yeah. you know? so like, you, know, you can be walking along and you'll suddenly have a memory or a feeling of somebody from your childhood and that feeling if you don't dwell on it could give you this little ping of wisdom and that is then when you start to become creative because those things then seek expression. Yes. So everything's really coming from the subconscious, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah. If you say the subconscious is the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's, it's all coming from the body. The life is the body. Yeah. You know, we, we spend a lot of time arguing with ourselves oh should I do this or should I do that and if I do this then that will happen and blah 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 blah, blah. we play we, we're two people and we're having a great debate going on in our heads mm. um, and and because of that we we sort of slightly cut ourselves off at the neck yes we do but you can see a lot of um well you just need to go into any British film from the 1940s and you can see the men that can hardly move their bodies yeah yeah you can hardly move their bodies they're completely disconnected from their bodies but our body is our life that's our why body i find it so funny with kindergarten children when they draw a body and it's like a head with two legs and i'm like yeah. what are they noticing they're noticing this energy in people yes yeah that and but actually that's they they're, they're just achieving the circle and and of course they're looking at the face yeah little Little babies are looking at the face. Their favorite thing is facial expressions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it 
it, it, it is everything is a reaction and our, our body is a living, breathing organism. Mm. And it holds everything. It holds our brain. I mean, mm. our brain is in our body. It is it part is of our, our living body. organism. Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't find expression necessarily in the body. The body expresses itself, which is why you can express your emotions and you can change patterns through the body, through expressing through the body, through doing change pattern work mm. through the body. Uh, and, and, and again, in my coaching, I will do art. You know, I mean, I love for people to draw their inner child with their left hand. Ah, their non, their non, yeah, the non-dominant hand. Yeah, uh, because you you create something. You know, you're pushing to bypass the mind. Yeah, always you're pushing to bypass the mind. So when I take people on writing journeys, we're bypassing the mind. So you write without stopping. You don't let the mind come in and edit. You, you must write for 10 minutes without stopping. Just a stream of consciousness. Yes, yes. So that you, it comes out, it bubbles up and out. So it is um, quite, quite, you know, beautiful how some of those pieces come forward, you know, and it is so much part of the coaching as well you mm. know sometimes we do need words and 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 you know especially I've helped people if they're going to give a speech or a talk about something and they don't know what to say they don't know where to begin mm. by accessing the messages in the body through the subconscious you can do that I find that because we we um, are trained in a somatic style of coaching, I find that with a lot of people, they get so stuck in the story of what's going on. And one of um, the gifts of this coaching is when you're just focusing on the felt sense, so the experience, the language of the body and the expression, it opens up their creativity immensely. Uh, and it, it, it starts to diminish their need to talk about the story. So you go through a period of time and once they their nervous system gets comfortable with the newness of it, and, oh, okay, this is how it works, they start to embrace it and they start to move forward towards it and they just want more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And it opens up their energy body so much, doesn't it? So much, because every time you tell the story, you imprint it further and further down. Yeah. So when you get stuck in the story, if you keep telling it to different therapists, well, here we are, what happened? And off they go in the story. And I actually don't, don't I said, I don't, I, I can coach somebody without ever knowing the story. Because Absolutely. you can just re-traumatize people over and over again by going back into the story and the body can release everything, everything. I mean, it is, it is, as you say, it is the most beautiful creative process. And 
the creativity it's an alchemy yeah it's 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 magic it really is magic because it's between the coach and the person and the trust yeah. and the presence yeah. and so you get your cauldron and you you chuck your trust and you chuck your presence and you chuck you know for an older woman like me all my life experience into that pot yeah and and nothing nothing else can can you know you get nothing can certain... replicate that nothing can copy that experience no. because it's just your transmission of everything that you have and also receiving them and vice versa for the coachee so everything they're putting into it but also everything they're receiving of you and it's the magic of that all coming together isn't it yeah and and you know people look at references and um all sorts of things but I always say go with who feels right because Mm. it is the presence of the coach that creates the greatest change yeah because if you cannot trust somebody and lean into that space then you're not going to get the transformation that you want and you know people who come to me (laughs) um, access their their creativity and and some of them are like oh I've never I've never done that before and and then they step and the magic of being held yeah as you step from these these narrow you know blinkered path that you're on we don't even know we're on it half the time absolutely and you open it up and open it up and open it up and then you go and and each time you do it's 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 having your own baby it's having your own creation each time you open yourself up further yeah because you know and you want to show people you want to say look what I've made I found another way look here it is um it yeah it makes me think of when my children were little and they would get nightmares and 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 I was very tired because I had I had twins I had three under three um and I wasn't sleeping and and they would say we've woken up we've got a nightmare and I would pick them up and I would open up cut my hands and I would say to them hold out your hands and I'd say, here's a puppy. And I would just give them this little make-believe puppy in my hands. I said, what's it called, this puppy? They would tell me the name of the puppy. And I said, right, back into bed. And I would tuck them up. And I said, have you got your puppy under your chin? Yes. I said, and is it giving little snores? Yes. So mm. I said, you just snort the puppy and you're going to be fine and go back oh, to bed. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> and they had their little puppy <laughs> and off they went back to sleep. Yeah. And so in a way, that's what, you know, when you coach and you, somebody sees something, the awareness of something is there, it comes up from the body, they hold space for it and the awareness is there. I feel as if I've given them a puppy. Yeah. And they, and when they smile and they change and their bodies relax, it's just like amazing. Hey, I just want to go back to a point you made about being on a pathway and not even knowing that you're on a pathway because in midlife which is the area that I'm deeply into 
I find that a lot of people get to this point, and I'm not talking about menopause, I'm just talking about midlife, where they're like, they, they have starting to have all these feelings of discomfort in their body and they're like, how did I get to where I am now? I don't even know if I'm happy in this relationship. I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure that I like my work. What your body is asking for, the feelings of discomfort is profound transformation. It's trying to send you a message. And so some of us can, can listen to that and go, okay, I need to do it different, something I need different, okay, or I need more of something, but I just don't know what it is. Some people project it outward. And you and I know where that goes. Can you talk a little bit about how you see that and what's going on, you know, from a creativity perspective? Um, the, the, way, the way I see it is yeah. that from, from school, um, at school, we're like little clockwork toys and we're wound up. Go to school, do well, get good grades, wind yeah. up, wind up, wind up, winding you up. Um, don't worry about who you are for the moment. Wind up, wind up, go to university you know, get a job, you know, so you've got to have secondary education after school and, and then you're, you, you're going to get a job. So there is your path laid yeah. out for you. Yeah. And, and if you come from a family of thieves and you're, you're not a thief, then you're no longer on your family's path. It, that, that's a classic path for the, the, my family and, and a lot of the people around me. But whatever path of belonging you come from, Mm -hmm. you are set off on that path mm -hmm. that, that you're given by your family of origin mm -hmm. and by the school. Um, mm -hmm. If you're rejected out of the school, you're put on a separate path. Um, but, but we'll stick with the path that is, you know, wound up because that is a lot of the people we, we find and we help. Mm -hmm. And they then go on and they work really hard and they get the job that they want and they push their way up in the career that they're looking for and you know part of it is to get married and have children and they do that and it's only when they get to about 43 that that wind up clock is no longer pushing them along yeah and they remember who they are yeah. I remembered who I was at that point not them us all of us every single one of us mm. there is the part that's given and there is the still, small voice inside us that says, here I am, mm. here I am deep inside me. Can you hear me? Mm. Can you hear me? And it takes courage to listen to that. And that to me is why people need help mm. because it's like giving up smoking. You can't do it on your own. So you try to change it, but you still have all the voices pulling you back. All the voices pulling you back all the time. Mary Oliver writes absolutely beautifully about it in her poem, The Journey. And, um, and it's, it's, and it reaches us at about 40. Yeah. It, it reaches us at about 40, 40 years old. And, uh, and, and we, we want something else for ourselves. Shall I read you the poem? Have you got to Yeah, read? yeah, read it. The Journey by Mary Oliver. One day, 
you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice which you slowly recognised as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Mm, so beautiful and so on point. <laughs> Saved my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when I sort of started to feel like that. I was actually about 38. That's when I quit my corporate job. I was like, I just can't be here anymore. And I think for a long time, I had this very strong sense of me, but the work was just the thing that I did to kind of fuel all the other things in my life and pay for my travel and, you know, and yes, mortgage and all the stuff that we need to do, you know, we think we need to do. And I just got to the point and I just said to my husband, I just I can't bear it any longer. There's like a gremlin that's about to explode out of my solar plexus. I need to get out of here. I'm sick of yep. not being myself. But, you know, I've, I've coached a lot of people who haven't come to that until they're in their late 40s, 50. Oh, yes. I mean, there isn't a set time. I mean, a set time. It, it, some people will come in their early 30s. Some people will come. Some in their um, 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It depends how heavy the conditioning is, how much weight there is around you. Um, you know, the girls and I sat and watched the the last or the first exotic marigold hotel the oh, other yeah, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. And it's lovely. But, you know, Judy Dench has been looked after <laughs> by her husband all her life. And she goes out and she's, you know, she's in her 60s. Yeah. And she discovers it all. There is no age limit where it's impossible. Um, but it can be hard if you've been pulled back and back and back you know each time you make a bid for freedom and that bid isn't answered and you can't escape it gets harder and harder yeah. to do yeah. so um it, it, you do need you do need you do need a hand you do need a guide you do need somebody to be accountable for for yeah. six months yeah absolutely last question 
So our creativity, we talked, a, we touched a little bit on it before, but I want to talk about it really explicitly. Our creativity, our sensuality, our sexuality, our spirituality, they're all intertwined. Yes. How does our creativity fuel and pro, how does it help our sexuality and spirituality and sensuality? How does it help it prosper and flourish and talk a little bit about that? I think they're a circle of three snakes all eating each other. So mm. if I am creative, it gives me a high and um, it makes me think, oh, that's lovely. So then I can lead that into expressing that feeling through my sexuality mm -hmm. and through the spirituality because they're very joined to me they're very joined they're almost as one yes um, in the arc although there is also awareness that is a different thing altogether and that is a deep part of spirituality but a spirituality is not up there no it's in us it, it it's in our every day yeah it patting the dog it's doing the dishes. It's, you know, our lives, our bodies are here living on this mundane plane. Mm. We cannot leave them. We don't leave our bodies. The life is here in mm. our bodies. Mm. In a sense, awareness, that awareness of that, that third state where you're neither distant from yourself witnessing it, or so far in it that you're lost and you're surfing in that middle state, then you're in your body. And there is nothing like sexuality to bring you deeply, deeply into your body. Yeah. And then feed the spirituality and feed the creativity from that. But I think they're all feeding each other. Yeah. You know, uh, one and you know it, it's like all of life feeds all of life for me mm -hmm. so you know I might go for a walk in the woods with the dog and my spirituality would be the sunshine the wind the weather the rain the outdoors my sense of expansiveness mm -hmm. and being part of this world yes my creativity because I'm a hedge witch so I make all my own teas my tinctures my salves my oils so my creativity is also looking at everything that grows and going yes plantain and there's come free and I'll have a bit of that and oh look that's just come out and here's the hawthorn snowing the valley and I'll just chew some leaves and flowers as I go around um, to soothe my heart so it's all there and then I might lie on the ground somewhere and do some breath work yes and they 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 are all joined because they're all in the person I mean that's an example of me but they are all in me yeah and so they cannot be exited from me I am here and I am my light. I am the only true light that I have. When I go, 
my light goes out. And so my creativity, my spirituality, my sexuality are all here in my body now. Now. They're here for me. I don't want to leave my body. I want to be in my body. I want to be in my body for the pleasure of it. And the pleasure can be picking up a, an apple and biting into it mm. and tasting it. The pleasure can be the warmth of the water under my hands when I wash the dishes. It can be Lovely. I love, you know, I have this tree and there's a small botanic gardens about a kilometer from our house. It's, it's a bit of a secret actually, but there's a tree there that's been here for, you know, nearly 200, Victoria. So maybe about 180, 190 years. So it's one of the first trees planted and it is just so beautiful. And I just always go off and I lay on it. And my husband always jokes and says, your body is going to be imprinted in that tree. But I just love the energy of that tree. And I just literally like spread my arms out wide. You can't see me if you're listening, but I have my arms spread wide and I just lay against it and hug it. And it's so old, it's on the National Register of Trees. Right? Mm. There's about 20 trees on this register nationally. And I just love it so much. And I just can feel the energy emanating from it when I go near it. It is incredible. But all of the plants, they all have that energy in them, you know, and that's yep. part of our spirituality is us being in our body, feeling them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what joy to go to a 200-year-old tree and feel its aliveness around you. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, that that is, you know, everything that we need is here on this plane. It's not, um, it's not somewhere else because... The, the vastness is here. The vastness is in the things that we do yeah. with our hands. And creativity is very meditative. So, it, it, you know, being deeply absorbed in anything is a form of meditation. And so sexuality, which you can definitely just completely enter into your body's sphere, not that many of us actually do, um, but the few times people do, they remember it. And if they thought they could have that, well, they could lean into it all the time, yeah. then well, we would want that. We would want that because all of them bring you deeper into your body. Yes, so deeply. Thank you so much. Such a beautiful conversation. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. Moira, how can people find you? I'm on Instagram as Moira mm -hmm. Coach and I'm on Facebook as Moira Casey. Mm -hmm. I run a small group. I'm very into human design as well. So I run a small We didn't group. even talk about that today. Maybe that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I run a small private group where we do body practices and we follow our human design called the illumination of the moon. Mm -hmm because the moon lights our path through life. Do you have a, do you have a website or a page? Like a con I have a few, but I've never quite finished any of them <laughs> uh, because 
although I am creative, technology is a bit of a struggle for me, but I did have a bit of an aha moment today. And I realized that it would all come together if I could get somebody to help. Mm, we'll find someone for you. So best best place to find you is Instagram and on face your Facebook page, which is Moira yes. KC. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was delightful to be invited. That was just a beautiful conversation. Moira really shows us how integral creativity is to our life and the healing power of creativity but also the meditative power of creativity and how it can fuel us and sustain us and it comes in so many different forms it's not just you know often we think it's an artistic pursuit but cooking is a form of creativity and how you lay out your house and you know decorating it is a form of creativity and music and dancing there's so many different expressions so i hope you really enjoyed that look forward to our next podcast coming up in a couple of weeks <laughs>